Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Welcome back to our part two sit down with Brian Dunkelman. And if you haven't heard part one, check it out. We talk about his Idol audition, how he got the job, what the early days of Idol were like, what it was like working with Ryan Seacrest. We talk about how Ryan, did Ryan want him out? I mean, that's really the question. We talk about that. We talk about Miss Paula Abdul, of course, Kelly Clarkson. And of course, we have to go back to Ryan Seacrest. We have to go back there. So listen to that part first. Brian is truly fascinating, has lived a fascinating life. And now we continue our conversation with Brian Dunkelman. The first thing Pat O'Brien said to me, I walk up, he's like, Brian, thank you so much for being here. I think that you're great. That fucking piece of shit, Ryan Seacrest, calling and trying to take my goddamn job. Every guy, fuck that guy. I'm like, we're going to get along just fine. Because at that point, he was. He was trying to take every single job in Hollywood. Everyone that there was. You talked to a lot any, of people any, that. Any, what's that? And you, you, why? That's what people were telling you? Yeah. Yeah. He was just going down the list. I want that job and that job and that job. Look, they say Dick Clark had a stroke. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody of fall play. <laughs> well, that sounds like you're saying something. Well, I'm joking. I'm not. I know. For the record, I'm not saying that Ryan Seacrest had anything to do with the murder of Dick Clark. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Casey Kasem, another story. Rick Dees, talk to them. See what they have to say. I mean, how does one even do that? I guess you just have your people start going down the line and saying, Bride wants to work an extra hour and now three hours. And I don't know, but um, I was on about a year later, I was asked to be on uh, live with Regis and Kelly for a week. And they did this little spoof because Kelly was going on maternity leave again. And they wanted to find somebody to kind of co-host with Regis for a day. And they called it America's Next Top uh, Co-host Search. And they had me and uh, Gelman. It's Gelman, right? Yeah. Cool. Very nice. Um, But I was up in their offices and I see a big you know, board nurse, uh, uh, cards with names on it. And I see Ryan Seacrest. I'm like, Oh, is Ryan doing the show? He's like, no, that's the list of people that, that are, that want to get on the show. His fucking agents call this every day. And he found out I was doing the show and that, and now, now he's having his people call every fucking day. Well, look who's hosting it now. It was weird. It's been like a, a year later, like 
you care that I'm doing? What, what is wrong with you? So wait, okay, now I have a, a question. So wait, so you were like, they, this was with Kelly was away and it was with Regis yeah. and they put you forward and then you were in a meeting in some office with Regis. Just up in the office hanging out. I think with Gelman and I asked him like, oh, is he doing, is he doing a show? I think no, he's just, that's the list of people that are, uh, were being pitched. He just wanted to be on as a guest. And just, they, he said they were calling like multiple times a day. And that was just because he'd known that I was on, is just, I don't understand why this competition thing happened to us, but it did. And as I, look, I totally made my peace with him. Fox finale, hundred percent. I wish him nothing but the best. I told him that, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm just telling you the facts. And you think Ryan's people were calling every day to have him be this guest host for Regis because you were on it? I don't know. He just found out I was doing something and then wanted to do it. I, I look, I did the Tonight Show while I was on Ida. Um, and look, they, and I talk about this in the film, but I knew the bookers. I was in a fantasy football league with one of the bookers in the Tonight Show. Um, I never really wanted to do that kind of a late night set. I, I'm a Letterman guy. I, they, that's always been my idol. And I was always too, I was just always too scared to even try. And I'm, I'm dirty. Like I'm an R-rated comic. I try to water my shit down. It doesn't come across. Well, you don't say no when they want you to do the Tonight Show. And they wanted, you know, it's just because Idol was a hit. And what they wanted me to do, it was a week they were going to have a comic on every night who, was, who had never done stand-up on television. It was like their premiere kind of week. That was their little gimmick. And what they wanted me to do is do my set. And then they wanted to have Simon walk out and say, that was terrible. That was the worst. Then I'm like, I'm not going to do that. What if I fucking bomb? What if I really don't do well? And then that bit, I'm like, I know it's great for you, but I said no. And they weren't happy. And they're like, all right, just do your set. And I did the set. And, and, and it, was, it was all right. And, and then what Ryan wanted to be on the tonight show after you next, I, I got to be friends with his assistant, really nice girl. And she told me that when he found out that I was on the tonight show, that he fucking just started screaming. Hey, look, you, I've, I've run into a couple of his old assistants and they've told me stories. That's all I'll say. But apparently he was just like, how the fuck did this happen? Why the fuck is he on the goddamn tonight show? And, I, and then uh, the next day, I see him he's like, oh, hey, great job. Great job with the show last night. I'm just telling you what I was told. But I, you know, look, I get it. I understand that. Here's one thing. It was, um, this is real late in the season and Jimmy Fallon was hosting. It was either the BM, uh, the MTV Music Awards or the video movie award. I don't know what it was. Something, one of those big MTV awards. And I'm in my, uh, I'm in my office uh, rewriting the script for the next show. And the TV's on in the living room. And I hear, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ryan Seacrest. And I went, what the fuck? Ryan Seacrest is a and Brian Dunkelman. I was like, um, what's this now? And it was Jimmy with a split screen doing impressions of both of us. I can't find this footage anywhere. It's got to be out there somewhere. But it's like, hi, hey, I'm right. You know, all giddy. And then, ah, Brian Dunkelman. I think he was just, you know, talking through his nose. But, um. I get it. I would have been like, why the fuck is he there and not me? So I understand that. Anything else the assistants told you throughout the years? One that worked on his radio show and said that whenever he made a mistake, if he made any kind of flub on air, he, she said that he would listen to it over and over and over and over again. Like she 
acting like he was banging his head against the wall. <laughs> Again, that's just what I was told. Wait, she said what? That he would listen to it over and over? He's listening to the mistake. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and like banging his head. That's all. That's what I was told. He's a perfectionist, I guess. Look, and this is all a long time ago. He might be a totally different person. I'm a different person. And as I said, this is not about bashing Ryan Seacrest, but I know you want to hear these stories. Well, I mean, I say in the the film, I say, look, I understand. I've understood this whole time. If I say anything about Ryan Seacrest, it's negative. It just makes me look negative. But here's the thing. I don't give a shit anymore. I don't care. He's going to be fine. If he's hurt, he can use his 450 million to dry his fucking tears. Like, I don't care about him. Like, he's he's good. Yeah. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> Listen, I don't think you or I should worry at the moment about Ryan Seacrest and uh-huh. how it's going to work out. He's good. I'm- I'm just envisioning like banging your head on what? A, a wall? Yes, the wall is what she said. Wow. Right? Well, I mean, then it begs, I mean, this is my question and it's not bashing him, but like, you know, do you think like, is he like, look, he has three shows right now. Idol, the radio show, Kelly. He is the one who's taken over for Dick Clark. Yeah. Like, does he... I mean, is he that good? Is he that talented? He's great. You, I don't know about the word talent. He's extremely skilled. Let's put it that way. He's very skilled at what he does. There's a reason. He's really good. And I knew he, it was obvious that he was really good. I was just, he's the one that had the earpiece in. He was the one that had the responsibilities on that show. I was just the jackass who was supposed to say something funny once in a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's really good at that, but here's the thing. You know what I think? I think he's, I think he's like a shark. If he stops swimming, he dies. And I can't imagine being like that. I got into stand-up comedy because I didn't, I didn't want to work. When I started, you just play golf all day. Even to this day, when I find out I'm doing a gig, I'm like, oh, where am I playing? You know, most comics are, they're writing and they're doing their, now you have to to put more work in your social media than you do on your act. And I, I don't really care for it. I'm trying to figure it out. I I think I got a combined 15,000 followers. I'm like, I got five and a half thousand on Twitter. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, look, the people have spoken. If I was on Twitter in the summer of 2002, I'd probably have more than 5,000 followers, but, um, this was before all that. And you know what? I'm actually proud of the fact that I made it without social media. I made it before this. Now it's it's part of the job. It's what they look at. How many followers do you have? I don't really think it translates into viewers, though. I don't believe that. I always say if it wasn't for this job that I did, I, you would not. I'd have zero followers because oh, I, I have. It's horrible. It's literally horrible. There was, um, <clears throat> I, I'm, like I said, I'm from a town of one street light. Everybody knows everybody. And I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of a big deal there. Um, but I saw the mayor and the mayor's like, Hey, my son said he's been, he's been talking to you on Facebook. I said, I'm, I'm not on Facebook. There was a kid pretending to be me, had like 400 friends communicating with them. Wow. Uh, and I, and I, and I did put in my act. I'm like, how big a loser do you have to be to pretend to be Brian Dunkelman? Well, I didn't shoot for the stars, you little shit. But I, I found out who he was and, and finally got my name back. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to do this shit now. That's a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, based on these stories you tell me now, it's 
to me, no wonder why Ryan is hosting live with Kelly and Ryan. Like, I mean, I, I'm making my own stories now of what the amount of calls and what must have taken place to get there. I don't know what it is, man. It's just like he saw that I was doing the show for a week and thought, I'm going to host that motherfucker. I'm going to host that show. And, and he made it happen, didn't he? He did. He made it happen. It's, you can't take anything away from the guy. He's, he's a powerhouse. He's, I mean, he's everywhere. He's yeah. Truly everywhere. He's really everywhere. So, right. So you have all these Watching dark- this right now. He's, there's, there's cameras on us. Something. Well, I mean, you know, keeping up, with the, keeping up with the Kardashians is over now after 20 years. So maybe he has an extra hour. Maybe, but like, yeah, he, like, he, he apparently doesn't sleep. He sleeps in like, fit, ah, I love sleeping. Are you kidding me? Sleeping is a good thing. Yeah. If I look, as I say, if, if I had $450 million, you would never see me again. Ever. You'd never hear from me again. Right. Like you would just say, this has been a great career. Today's my last day. See ya. Yeah. If I'd have done three seasons of Idol or four seasons, I probably would have been, bye. I'm going to go. Um, I'll be on a golf course for the rest of my life. When, when you, okay, here's, it's not the money. It's the things that I could do. Like, here's what, this is something that now I, I used to be obsessed. This was the, it was the first thing I thought about every day when I woke up. And the last thing I thought about every night before I, fell asleep or passed out i was a prisoner of my own mind for years and i couldn't stop thinking about i'm in a fantasy football league with my best friends and my brother and my nephew i like oh i could have flown them all to hawaii every year got in a huge house played golf all day and just pay you know we could have gone to vegas and done the draft here's here's a grand let's just go have fun that's the kind of shit that it's it's kind of hard to live with yeah, like money buys freedom. That's really what it is. Yes, that is true. It's like not, let's not work for that. It's just that when you have enough, then it's freedom. And it's like, now I don't care. Her. I, do I want whenever I want. So that like weighed on you. Literally, you woke up and that was the first thing and the last thing. Yeah. And I thought, I was just humiliated. It was a very, I don't know how to express what a very public humiliation is like, but it's intense, man. And, um, I, uh, I had, I did not like being recognized because 70, 80% of the time it was shitty. People would just say shitty things to me out of the blue. Like I, it was a com, and then I put it in my act. I got to try, I got to use it. I was working a comedy club in Indianapolis. The other comic is driving. We pull into the parking lot, the guy, you know, the, the parking attendant, and I roll down the window. I'm like, hey, man, uh, where the comics work? Do we just leave the car? Do we park here? He's like, hey, oh, you're that guy from American Idol. Oh, man, I bet you're kicking yourself now, huh? What are they making? Like 15 million a year? I'm like, you're a fucking parking attendant. I try not to take vocational advice from anybody wearing an orange vest. That's just one of my rules of thumb. But like, fuck you, dude. Think it. Don't say it. We're in a, I mean, it's getting worse by the year, the, the, the day, but yes. Yeah. I mean, like, so right. Is that it? Is it like, or is it just twofold? It's like, you're doing it to yourself. And it's just the fact that the public a has their own opinion and they don't seem to be afraid to tell you. So it's bold. Everybody's emboldened to be a dick. You know, 
there weren't Karens. I mean, were there Karens or they weren't just being recorded all the time? I don't know. I think people are very punching flight attendants. What the fuck's going on? Everybody's a spoiled asshole now. If it's not, I don't know, half the country. This isn't what we want. But this is why we want this. We want this. We deserve it. Sometimes you lose, man. Yeah. Like, just people have literally lost their minds. Yeah. Like, there's a clip of uh, uh, just a, guys are start trying not to get in a fight at a, at a preseason Rams game. And I'm just thinking, I'm telling my kid, oh, this is the Rams and the, the Chargers. I, I'd really like to go to a game with you at the stadium. And then you see a clip the next day of, and then a woman got a full fucking soda, just lobs it. And then the guy goes nuts and there's a melee. What are you doing? <laughs> it's broke drinks at people. Com- comedians are getting drinks thrown at them. Yeah. If you don't like something at a comedy club, you keep your fucking mouth shut. And then on the ride home, you bitch about it. Fuck that guy. I didn't like him. Shut up. That's how this works. These are my thoughts because you can't come up with them on your own. If you don't like all of my thoughts, guess what? You're probably not gonna. It's gonna be one thing. Sit there and shut up. Take it and then complain. And then don't see me again. Do you talk, do you like Joan Rivers would always respond? Like, do you respond to your hecklers? Of course. I'll welcome hecklers because I get sick of saying the same shit over and over again. And I'll say it. I'll say, look, I will take this show straight into the fucking ground just because of you. I don't give a shit. The rest of these people might. I don't fucking care. And then everybody will laugh. I try to turn everybody against the heckler. Yeah. But I'm never going to lose to that. Never gonna, it's not going to happen. Well, so then you mentioned like, you know, when you find out right at the finale and you would have been fired anyway, that is, that's, so that was that really it? Like you up until really? that moment, it's like, okay, my whole life now has changed. And it's like, I'm okay. Like I'm free. That was that simple. No Paxil, no more therapy. You like literally went on that stage and were like, life is great now. Um, it had been a process. My, my life was, uh, look, I went through something. I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's dressed in the film. And I went through something that made my post idol years look like a fucking walk in the park, look like a picnic. My, my, my wife succumbed to alcoholism when my son was 10 months old and life as I knew it was just over. And I'll tell you what changed my life is, and I'm not, I don't want to be one of those people that pushes it, but meditation changed my life. And now the first time I went, I went to it, I went to an AA meeting with her to be supportive. And it was a meditation theme in the last 20 minutes, they shut the lights off. I'm like, oh, I've always kind of wanted to try this. I've heard a little bit about it on podcast. Joe Rogan keeps talking about it. And I actually meditated for the first time and they turned the lights on and I walked out of there. I was high. Something happened to me. And I thought, well, there, there's something here. And look, it's the answer to everything as far as I'm concerned. And I, I, I can't not do it. It's, it's a part of my daily regimen. I, and, and I have stopped. I stopped once. I had a pilot. I had a big opportunity a couple of years ago, and it didn't go through. And I'm like, fuck everything. 
what am I doing this shit for? I'm not getting uh, six, five, six days later, I was waking up crying. Really? That powerful. And then I'm like, no, I got, and then I started again two days later. I feel like I'm fine. Wow. So meditate. Everybody needs to meditate. You won't be throwing fucking drinks at strangers. Yeah, that's a little bit. Oh, a joint for God's sake. Just relax. Or punching someone on a plane. I mean, like, in what world do we think know. we can just decide to stand up and just go punch someone because we're my parents are worth two million dollars? Oh my god, that kid was when they got duct taped. That was phenomenal. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like punching someone every five minutes, but I, I that's not how the world works, unfortunately. Like, I stop Medi- myself. Meditation keeps me from killing people. Yeah. It keeps me from wanting to murder strangers. That's it's good enough for me. That's a good reason to do it. <laughs> was there because you know, at the idol finale, you know, it was very humorous. Like, you know, you were there and you know, with Rye. Like, was it were there was there any interaction backstage, like with you and like him, like, or was it all yeah, that yeah, great? Because he okay, was so a good sport there. himself. Yeah, so I get there and my, my sister flew out to be with me because, well, I couldn't, I couldn't take my wife. I couldn't take her. She would have disappeared and she would come back. Like it was, it was really, really, really bad. Wow. My sister went with me. And so I'm dealing with this. My life is utter in utter turmoil. And I can't believe that they called that. I was really surprised that they wanted me to be a part of it. My manager and my agent were like, all right, well, we're going to, uh, we're going to ask for $10,000. I'm like, do whatever you do. And then they call me and they're like, um, they're, they're offering you $300. And I started laughing. I said, tell them yes. This is not about the money. And they did not want me to do it. They were pissed. They did not want me to go back and do that show. And I was like, I, something told me I needed to, I needed to go back. And, um, I hadn't seen some of those people, some of the same crew members were there so, and they were so nice and they were so genuine and they were so happy to see me. And Nigel Lithgow, the British executive producer that, that I talk about a lot in the documentary, when I saw him and we had a little exchange, we hugged and then uh, he whispers in my ear, he's like, you know what you and I have in common? We both got canned by American Idol. And I'm like, that's not how I remember it. Um, okay, weird. But um, I made a, a, a point of seeing Ryan um, <clears throat> before all the people around. I didn't want to see him on stage. It's been since 2002 and seen uh-huh. him since, not once. And um, so I, I got taken to his office and he jumped up. He's like, hey, Dunkelman. And I said, look, I got to just before we even say another word, I got to get this out. He said, I, I, you know, I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about all the times we didn't get along back then. I said, I wish I could go back and change it. I know I can't, but just really want you to know, I, I wish nothing but the best for you and your family. And he kind of took a step back. He was taken aback by it and it was genuine. And it was a really cool exchange, you know? And he said, I saw that you got married and you have a son. And he was like, oh, he's, he's, got, he's got everything that I don't have. And he meant it. It was great. And then we did our, uh, we did our rehearsal. And we just did a kind of an impromptu hug. And as we're walking away, he's like, should we do the hug? I'm like, you're fucking goddamn right. We're doing the hug. I called my friend and he said, uh, <laughs> he said, you know, it'd be really funny when you're live under no circumstance. Do you let go? <laughs> I could have just taken him to the floor. Um, that would have gotten a tremendous amount of hits on YouTube, but I didn't. 
But um, I did. I called my friend after I found out, after uh, one of my old bosses told me the truth of what happened. I called, my, I called the same friend and I told him, he says, see, you're not an idiot. You're just a failure. He said, you're right. And I can live with that. I can totally live with that. Yeah, there's something about it being out of your control, right? See, you didn't ruin your life. It just, this was the destiny. Life of ruined me is really what happened. Well, look, if I hadn't have been perceived as difficult as I, if I hadn't have begged them to hire writers, look, you're the number one show on television. Splurge for writers. All shows have writers. What are you fucking doing? Um, but if I hadn't have been difficult and if I had done, if I'd done a better job and if I had gotten along with Ryan, would I still be on the show? I don't know. I might've put a gun in my mouth. I don't know. I really don't know. And you never were like, fuck you for offering me $300 for the finale. It was never. No, no. And then when I got the check, it was, it was a sag scale. They they paid me scale. I was like, well, that was cool. They didn't need to do that. They told me $300 and you know what? Then they were like, everybody that's, all the performers, everybody's getting the same. It's just a, and uh, my agent was like, yeah, she was a real bitch about it on the phone too. And I'm like, just tell them yes, I'm going to do it. And um, what they wanted, they wanted me to be in one big holding room with all the former contestants. Like, I can't be around anybody. I can't be around another, I can't be around people. And it was awesome. It was the first day of the Masters golf tournament. And there's a, you know, an adjoining hotel. So they took me up there and I got to, they let me just sit in the hotel bar with the television on me and my sister for like a couple hours. And that's, I just got to watch golf and be away from everybody because man, the, when the, the clock kept ticking and I just kept getting more nervous and I hadn't done live television in a long time. And I don't look, if you've never done live television, you can't understand it. It's, it's, you can feel like you're going to have a heart attack. And so the hour, and then I'm like, I got to pee every two minutes now. And I got, my mouth is dry and I'm standing and I'm waiting to go out. And I thought my head's going to come off my fucking neck. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting my body and my brain through this? And then they introduced me and the first step I took out, it all went away. It all went away. And you know what? My wife at the time, when she was watching, she was like, I was screaming, it's this talk because a so loud in there. And it was a genuine reaction. But of course, Seacrest was supposed to say something and he didn't. He probably forgot. Because he was going to say, hey, Dunkelman, it's good to see him. Like, yeah. It was going to be funny. So I was waiting for him, but also like waiting for it to die down a little bit to talk. So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It was a pretty cool moment. And uh, the writer, God bless him, he came up with the perfect line to start it. And then they let me say whatever the fuck I wanted to, which was cool. It was like, well, it looks like, you know, after tonight, you're going to be out of a job. It was perfect. So that was hilarious. It was really great. That was the writer. And it was really great to make peace with him. Because I was a dick. Because they brought a writer in because there was, they, they, there was a problem with our chemistry. They brought somebody in to try and help that. And I actually grew to really like this guy, but I was, I was kind of a dick at first. And your agents and managers were like, there's no way you're taking $300. Like, you, you, this is insane. They didn't want me to do it. You know, I'm like, I have to. I can't keep running. I've tried to hide from this. I can't. You just got to turn and face it, you know? And that's why, I'm, you know, again, in this, in this film, I'm pu- I've, I pushed the arrow through and pulled it out the other side. 
Well, even on, I mean, that's the thing, like at some point, I don't know when it was, but like on your Twitter bio, bio, at one point you had like, you know, television footnote, or I think it said television history footnote, like, so it's, yeah. So like at some point you went from, I ruined my life and I can't get out of bed and I'm miserable and I think about it and I'm trapped into this, your life changes and like the veil is lifted when you realize you would have been fired anyway. It's like, so when do you become in on the joke? Like you're kind of in on the joke, right? I mean, that seems humorous as saying for all these years, you know, I mean, the the part that I really did not enjoy about doing stand-up anymore was I had to do so much radio and so much TV and there were cities where they would, I would have to do double because well, the Fox affiliate, they want to have you on in the morning because they all want to talk about it. And they, it just got to the point. And some of these people were nice, but not, not all of them. And they, I would start interviews. Do you just want to punch Ryan Seacrest in the face? And I'm like, I got to come up with something right. No, I, but I, I, I would like to sometimes kick him in the vagina. Like I'm just trying to, and, and not be dirty. And you know what I mean? But I got to the point where I was getting shit on so much that I was like, I'm not going to let you do that anymore. I'm going to shit on myself. I'm like eight mile your ass. And I, you can't kick me in the nuts because I'm going to repeatedly kick myself in the nuts. And then I was like, oh, it just, it wears on me. It does. It, it started to wear, it started to wear on my soul a little bit. So that's when I stopped doing, I stopped for three years to take care of my son. And it, it was really nice to not have to talk about it at all for that long period of time. That's when I really kind of started to heal from it. And so how did this movie come about? Was it just like, you're all talking about me and you have a whole backstory and might as well, like you said, I'm not shitting on Seacrest. I might as well just put it out there. Or how did this come about? Um, there's been a series of synchronicities in my life over the last probably, I would say three years that are undeniable. And it's gotten to the point where I was so obsessed with being successful again. And then I just had to let it go. And I just threw my hands up. I'm like, whatever you I let Jesus take the wheel, whatever you want to do, just fucking show me what to do. And, um, the, well, the pandemic hit and I really, really needed it. I really needed the break. And, um, I got to spend all this time with my son and he wanted to sh- do a YouTube channel. I'm like, well, here now's the time. So I had to learn everything, how to do a YouTube channel, but video game playing YouTube channel, my kid, I'm not kidding. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I just thought, I am not going to be deterred. I'm going to figure all this shit out. I didn't know how to use a green screen or do, I, edit. I learned how to do all of it. And I finally got it up. And um, I mean, some of these videos were getting like 12 views. One of the guys watching it was a director, a producer who knew my agent back when I was on Idol. And he had had, a, he said he had a notebook full of movie ideas. And one of them just said, Dunkelman. For years. Then the pandemic hit. He had all his free time. Well, he started following my social media. He saw that I was doing these YouTube videos with my kid. So he started watching them. And he just kind of became obsessed. And he started doing all this research. And it was uh, it was last year, the day of my birthday, my manager called me. He's like, I just got a call from a, a, a director. He wants to talk to you about doing a movie about your life story with you playing yourself, kind of like Howard Stern and Private Parts. And I was like, oh, interesting. So the next day we had a conference call and um, my manager was only on it for an hour because this guy and I talked for three and a half hours. And I told him every painful thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, I told him what really happened with my, my son's mother. 
and, and our whole history. And he basically said, he's like, wow, you know, that's what this movie is. This movie is a love story between two codependent people. And you hosted American Idol. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. I'm in such a good mood because I just got my new rain jacket, t-shirts, and sweaters in the mail from Tentry. Not only are these products fashion forward, but they're earth friendly. Tentry sells lots of different products, including clothing, underwear, outerwear, activewear, and more. What I love is that not only are these fashion forward, like I said, but everything they make is manufactured ethically and from materials that are either sustainably sourced or recycled. Besides being sustainable, Tentry clothing is so soft and so comfortable. I'm already wearing these t-shirts like all day and all night. Listen, for every item purchased from Tentry, they plant 10 trees and this helps take carbon out of the air, replenish ecosystems, and it gives jobs to tree planters and communities around the world. Learn more about Tentry's planting mission and to grab some comfy, sustainable clothes, check out their website, www.tentry.com. And because you're listening to this podcast, use code VELVET to get 15% off your first order. That's www.tentree.com. Use code VELVET to get 15% off your first order. The holidays can be hectic, stressful, or downright uncomfortable. This holiday season, give the gift of comfort with Third Love, your one-stop shop for all the women in your life. Ultra-soft loungewear for mom, fun sleepwear sets for your sister, premium activewear for friends, and luxe intimate sets for that special someone. Or treat yourself to Third Love. Get yourself the gift that you really want this holiday season. The best thing about Third Love is their fitting room quiz. It is such a detailed quiz in a good way that your bras, underwear, loungewear, and activewear are bound to fit perfectly. Bras are available in exclusive half cups. Underwear, loungewear, and activewear is available in XS through 3X. Feeling is believing. Upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash velvet. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash velvet. Staring into Zoom chats all day, talking to all of these housewives and celebrity guests for you guys, I became very self-conscious about my teeth, my smile, and my oral health. That's why I turned to Quip Electric Toothbrush. It's great because it has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. The reason that's important is so many toothbrushes and electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. Trust me, I know. I used to use one. I also love the fact that in addition to the Quip electric toothbrush, Quip delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, gum refills, and all of that every three months from $5. Shipping is free so you can save money and skip the hustle bustle of in-store shopping. If you go to getquip.com slash velvet right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's first refill free at getquip.com slash velvet. That's spelled G-E-T Q-U-I-P dot com slash velvet. Quip, 
everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've gained the COVID-19 over the past two years. And I've literally tried everything to take the weight off and nothing has worked. Everything has been a fad or a gimmick until now. Calibrate is not a diet or a quick fix product. That's why it's worked for me. It's a year long commitment that gives you the tools to fight your biology. It's different because it's a comprehensive doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Your medical team includes doctors who assess your health in an initial 45-minute video visit, provide ongoing medical support, and prescribe GLB-1s as part of your one-year metabolic reset. Calibrate's earliest members lost an average of 14% of their body weight, which is so unbelievable to me. Your weight doesn't reflect your willpower. Get back in control with Calibrate. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code VELVET at jointcalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code VELVET at jointcalibrate.com. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com slash velvetrobe. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress level is high, your temper is shorter than usual, or even if you're starting to feel strained in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased and who's not going to judge you or take sides. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain for it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and behind the Velvet Rope listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. So we had lunch and this was during the lockdown. I mean, they just let people start eating outside for a little bit last summer. And we had a, we had an eight hour lunch meeting. He's furiously taking notes. And then he's like, you know what I want to do? He's like, I want to rent a theater and let's get like a very bare bones crew. And let's get a couple cameras and let's get you telling me some of these stories in the camera. We'll edit it together with idle footage and press clippings and shit like that. And we'll put a sizzle reel. Uh, to basically show investors for the movie. So the next day, I, I uh, we wrote a little thing of how to open it. We wrote a little opening. And then I just said, you know what? Just, just roll. Just roll the cameras. And I just started talking. And I talked in the camera for four hours. And it, I didn't write anything. It was just kind of improvised. And then we would cut and talk. And then, um, but the next day, you started looking at the footage. And you could feel it. You could, you could feel like, look, it's the best thing I've ever done. There's no question. Um, and and the, I, ripped my, I ripped myself open. I ripped my guts out for this. And I could tell the reaction of the, the cinematographer, just two cameras and sound. But at the end, he just couldn't stay. He's like, Jesus Christ, I can't fucking believe this shit, Uncle Man. And he said it seven times. You don't say it. If you say it twice, you're just, okay, stroking bullshit. Hollywood, yeah. This guy, is, I, fun fact, he auditioned, I think, the second year of American Idol as a singer. Uh, you just meet these people and they, you know, it's these synchronicities, man. But I knew I had done something pretty good. 
and the, and the, the producer sent me a couple clips. He's like, dude, I, he's like, this is so good. I think we have a separate project here. He's like, I think we, we could sell this as is, as, as like a documentary. So that's what we just been, we just dove into the editing and going through all this footage. And it just, it, it's, it's in the final post-production right now. And we've got interest um, from multiple networks and, and streaming services. So we're gonna, we'll, we'll know where it's gonna end up. But um, that's kind of how this happened. This was what this was what God or the universe or the programmer or the simulation put in front of me. Wow. Out of the blue. Well, you also made a Jesus take the wheel, a Carrie Underwood reference. Yeah. I mean, do you think shows like Idol, listen, we know who Kelly Clarkson is. We know who, you know, we know who Carrie Underwood is. I mean, I, I know some others, you probably do too. But like, do you think shows like this, like Idol work anymore? I mean- can you name any winners in the past five? I don't know, man. They, they, they just got picked up for another how many seasons? It's just, I thought that, I thought, yeah, it, somebody wrote, they tricked me. I, I think I just said that off the cuff, but you tricked me. I went to the finale, but it wasn't really the finale, but it was the Fox anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's working well enough to still be on the air. I mean, are you over it with like finding out you would have been let go? Now you have this movie, like you've moved on or... When Idol eventually is canceled and Ryan truly is out of this job, he'll have 17,000 other jobs and probably $700 million at that point. But like, will that be a little bit of extra closure or that we're, we're past that at this point? I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm really all in the, on quantum mechanics. I, I don't pretend to understand it. But as I like to say, it's kind of like art. I know what I like. If you can wrap your head around the concept that maybe we're existing simultaneously in multiple different realities, I mean, there's a reality where you're talking to Seacrest right now, and I'm the one hosting it, and I have $450 million, and he had to drive an Uber. I, but if you really accept that, then, then what's there to regret? It's happening. I'm just not aware of it. Is that rationalization? Of course it is. But it might be real. So that's the way I'm living my life. I just, I don't really care about anything other than my son's happiness and his health and his well-being. It's really liberating. I don't give a shit anymore. So my goal, I would like to get acting work out of this. I've done some acting, but I, I worked a lot more before Idol than I have since. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, listen, this isn't about me, but like the older you get, like that is the goal. Like, you know, if when the minute you really just don't give a shit about any of it, life is so wonderful. And then you're not punching people on planes. You're like, I, you're punching people because you are a miserable fuck. Yes. I'm not. I have a great life. Like it, it, I get it. Like I really do get it. Like, you know what I like now is that I end conversations with customer service reps now and with, okay, you have a great day, brother. Instead of go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference. And I just, I, I, you know, I didn't realize this, but um, <clears throat> something happened even during this pandemic. I, I started wearing glasses and then there's this Bobby Bones guy comes from out of nowhere. I'm like, God damn it. Now everybody's going to think I'm, I'm wearing glasses because he is. And then, um, and by the way, they needed somebody to sub on Idol. Yeah, I'm right here. Doesn't matter. Um, but I would always wear a hat. I would try not to be recognized. I, I hid. And then something happened during this pandemic where all of a sudden I'm trying, I'm making the cashier laugh. Um, I'm fucking with people in line. I'm just, 
And I'm like, oh, they can't see me. They can't see my face. Now I remember why I like making people laugh. So this pandemic really changed a lot for me too. And uh, the fact that it just happened with this film, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, it's just an opportunity for people to really, really know what happened and really, really know why I am the way I am and what, what why I was the way I was. And would I like to work in my chosen field? Yeah, I would. Well, how great, like what a cosmic turn of events would that be if like that's your story and now this, which is all about Idol, pretty much gets you the actual work you want. Like that's the full circle moment, right? It'd be, that's kind of how we're, it's kind of how we're drawing up the plans, you know, it would be cool. Then this was your destiny. Like this was just your route to get the career that you want because you have lots of years left. Like, you know, it's, you know, I'm in a different category. My, I, I got a little gray and during the pandemic and I'm like, I'm not dying this. I've earned this shit. I'm in a different category now. For years, I would be told you're too young to play this part, but it says mid thirties. I'm 36. I smoke cigarettes. I drink way too much. I do drugs. I, I, I don't take care of myself. What can I do here? Now it's finally caught up where I think I'm in the different category now. What advice would you like, if you could look back to, you know, right before you got the idle job or right when you started, like, you no, know, here we are. We just said like, now you're happy and all this, like what advice would you give to your younger self if you could go back? Oh, meditate. 100%. That, that's it. That's literally the only advice. Because then once you understand that happiness is internal and not external, and you don't need to drink a bottle of bourbon, you don't need to get an eight ball, you don't have to go gamble, you don't have to do any of that shit. Do you know what I'm doing right now? And I'm plugging this because I kind of want people to watch these more than I want them to watch the film. I got frustrated that I wasn't able to perform and I started to miss, I told you that live, uh, that, uh, the private room karaoke. I've been with a bunch of people. I've been with one other person. And I thought, man, I'd love to do that right now. And I thought, wait, my living room is a private room. And so I just started getting drunk, taking a bong rip and, and, and doing shitty karaoke because everything is on YouTube. So I just put my, my, my uh, the phone record the it has the words and everything and then i just stand behind it and sing and i can do some pretty decent impressions but then, then i'm riffing and goofing around and i start posting them on social media i call it dunky Oki, and that fulfills me there was even a night i'd go out and do a set didn't go that well i I'd come home and lay down three songs and i would feel so great like it's just i'm doing it because it makes me happy and it and then it entertains me i don't want to say i'm self-absorbed but I will listen to my karaoke videos in the car of me singing, and then I'll sing along. That's just a little of indication of how obsessed I am with myself. But that's how I deal. That, like that, I get so much joy out of something like that. There's joy everywhere. You, you just have to find it. You can make it. Yeah. A few final questions, then we'll wrap up. What do you think people will be the most shocked to find out about you from watching this film, Dunkelman? I think they're <clears throat> look if you stop watching this after five minutes it ain't it's just not for you there's something that's revealed about that i carried my whole life that i think is a pretty intense 
and now uh, you're just gonna have to watch but that the an event in my childhood that i think yeah you you will be uh surprised if somebody had to carry something like that around and then at the end it's all it's all resolved at the end of the film i think probably that and the the depression and the drug use and the you know that, that there's some pretty intense shit in any exciting moments on the set of friends oh my god did well, you have I, a I, moment I, with jennifer aniston or courtney cox oh yes so i uh first of all i audition and then you have a call back and it's you and six other guys and we're just sitting there in the room and then um, the casting director says, okay, uh, everybody, thank you so much uh, for coming in. Brian, you can stay. And then I just, I watch everybody leave. I'm like, see, I let, they literally walk me outside. They put me on a golf cart and they drive me straight to the set. Brian, this is Matthew. This is Lisa. Hi, I'm Dunkelman. And those were the two people that I did my scenes with. So I didn't really interact with anybody else um, because you keep, your, you keep yourself. You know, you don't, if you got a little part, you don't go fucking, hey, how you doing, Matt LeBlanc? You just don't do that shit. You don't go knock on Jennifer Aniston's door oh. and say, listen, you know, I just have some, just want to say hi. No, but at the end, mine was the last scene shot. And so all day, I'm just like, oh my God, you just filled with anxiety. And, and it finally, it was just like, well, I can't, I, I've been here eight hours. I, I don't even care anymore. Like I'm, I'm exhausted just from like in replaying it in my mind of what I have to do. The end of my scene, they screw up my engagement, right? And then it cuts, but I, they kept rolling and I just improvised and I went over, I got down on one knee, I proposed to the girl, then I immediately took both glasses of champagne and chugged them and it got big laugh and Jennifer Aniston ran up to me and said, oh my God, that was so funny. I'm Jen and she gave me the biggest, the biggest hug. I'm like, I'm never, I'm never showering again. She's stunning. And then at the end, they did a curtain call and it was the six friends. And then they pulled me in and I got to do the, 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 the bow. It was, it was unbelievable. You have so the yeah, stamp of a pretty cool story with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. You have her stamp of approval. Yeah. These are the final two that, questions. Isn't that why I do all this shit anyway? And you'll understand when you see those first five minutes of that documentary, that's probably what drove me to get into this business. Approval. So when you're on a show where you're being mocked for being cheesy and corny, and you know goddamn well that you're a good comic, that really will give you insight into why I slowly started to lose my mind. Right. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people get into this business, you know, of acting and especially comics, like for approval. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, listen, you have Jennifer Aniston's approval. I mean, I don't think you need anyone else's at this point. <laughs> I'd like her to kiss me on the lips three times. Seriously. I mean, so is it annoying when people like me or other people, you know, you've done Friends and all these other things. Now, who knows where this new movie, Dunkelman, is going to lead? You have care. Like, is it annoying now that like, oh. They still want to talk about Idol or is it like, wow, this is flattering. You know, many people, nobody wants to talk to, or is it neither? Is, you know, is it like, I, I get it. This is how the business works and this it's, is flattering. It's always, look, it's always been, I've always acknowledged that this, this entire time. Like if they don't want to talk to you anymore, then you got problems. That's what was so difficult about doing Celebrity Fit Club. I'm like, I'm on with you know, Aaron Moran, God rest her soul. Um, Screech, 
God rest his soul, right? Uh, Tina Yothers, Willie Ames. I'm like, I grew up watching you. And yet your shows were on 20, 30 years ago. Not only is mine still on the air, it's number one. So it's really, really hard, you know, to, uh, to swallow that. But the fact that somebody wanted me is going to pay me a good chunk more than most people make in a year. So if they stop talking about you, that's when it's a problem, right? And all these years, and I wonder if maybe it's my name that's kept me in the collective consciousness. Like people thought, some people will meet Dunkle, and they used to meet me, Dunkle, your name is fucking Dunkleman? Like, yeah, I just grew up with it. So I don't really realize. And I'd have people in meetings like, is Dunkleman your real name? What do you fucking think I picked? Dunkleman on purpose? Yeah, what a gem. But um, I've not done a lot of interviews over the years intentionally. And I always thought, well, when I have something to promote, I'll talk to you. There you go. You know, nothing ever really. I'm like, what do you got going? I'm like, I could tell you watch on Wednesday night at eight. If I had something to tell you, I've had opportunities have fallen through. I don't really want to talk to you about all the things that have failed. I'm just, just a dude trying to do stand up and, and book a gig once in a while. That's really all I've been doing all these years. And now I'm going to do every interview I can. Because as soon as I can tell people where to go to watch this, I, I, every podcast, every interview. So I thank you for asking me to be on your show. I really appreciate it. And the more I talk about this as I've gotten mentally healthy and spiritually healthy, it just, it just helps every time it's therapeutic. Well, I'm glad you came on the show. Now I just have one more question. That's something you said. Did you, have you ever gotten, I ask a lot of actors and actresses this and you're shocking sometimes the answer is like, have you ever gotten really close to something, you know, like, oh my God, you could have been Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I mean, not you, but like, were you ever in the mix for like a sitcom or something where we're like, you know, holy shit. Like I spoke to Leslie Grossman, American Horror Story. Apparently she was almost on Modern Family as Claire Dunphy. I'm like, oh my God, that would have been a whole different life. I mean, modern family and syndication now, cha-ching, cha-ching. Like, were you ever close to something like, where we're like, holy shit, that was almost Not weird. that big, not that big. Or trend. like me, yeah. I'm just curious. Or even like in the mix. When I first started out, I was losing jobs constantly to the same guy, David Faustino. Remember Bud? Actually yeah. wrote a pilot where he was like my foil because like, like a voice four in a row where I lost out to the same guy but no I've never missed out on anything that big I got the golden horseshoe shoved up my ass that was American Idol you know and now we're sitting here how many seasons it's just uh if I when I calculate I didn't make that much money the first season but even when I calculate how much if I just got the same salary it's it just makes me sad I'm sure it would have been a lot and I do know David Faustino. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I, and I think lots of other people, they're not just being shady. Don't watch idol anymore. I mean, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Wonderful. I mean, and I can tell you there was Carrie and there was Kelly and a couple others, but I've dropped, listen, when, when there's no more Paula on American Idol, I'm not, I, I had to take a different approach to the whole thing. You I know, know, but here's the way I feel about it. There's so many of these shows. There is currently, there, there's currently a surplus of talent in this industry. There aren't enough jobs for us. So call off the fucking search. We got enough. 
We don't need any more. Let's just work with what we have. That's all. But you know what? 20, and you know, this is how the universe kind of things come together. 20th anniversary coming up. 20th anniversary of Idol. I don't know. I'm still in touch with some of the contestants. They're like reunion tour. I'm like, I'm fucking in. I am in right now. Let's maybe maybe there could be a reunion tour hosted by you. That's what I'm nah, you're getting it. I'm telling you, um, if somebody had the brains to re-air that first season, what are you waiting for? Not just because I'd get a shitload of money in residuals. I I got I got a vested interest here, but it was really it was really like in people's minds that show really stands out that first season was was something special and to be a part of that look even though it didn't work out for me it's you, you can't take it away i did it i accomplished it could you tell i've had justin garini on my show could you tell kelly clarkson like did everyone was it obvious that she was going to win that first season no, she was really kind of, she was just uh, laying low and doing really solid. And then there was one moment where I'm like, oh, this, this, this girl's a star. Um, Tamira Gray was really, really wonderful too. I thought it would probably be those two at the end, but um, no, it, it became, it was pretty cool to have the best seat in the house. For, there was one performance where I was like, this is over. She's, she's it. She's a star. And she was so sweet. And I from everything I hear, she hasn't changed at all, which is really great to hear because she was just a real sweetheart. I've heard the same. And then Constantine Maroulis was on my show, not from the first season. He claimed that he had more votes, not than Carrie. He was on Carrie season. Not he was he came in fifth. Carrie won. He claimed that the week that he went home, he had more votes than three of the other people that they kept which was saying that it's, this is a, see, I can't speak to any of that. I don't know if any of it's like, you didn't see anything like that. I didn't think so. Here's the card, read the names. I say a tour though, a reunion tour you will host. And there's, I just named people. Let me tell you, Constantine and Justin, I will be there. I mean, I, I, I could tell you that. I don't know Constantine, but I think the top 10 from that season I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, you know, again, Nikki, you know, Nikki contacted me on Facebook like a couple months before she passed away too. Wow. That's devastating. She was so nice, so talented and so beautiful. And that is real bummer, man. I guess there would only be nine. Right. Like from your season. can come too. Yeah. I didn't realize you were just saying your season, but your season, no, you have like Tamara Gray and all these people that are, I mean, I don't know if Kelly Clarkson will be a part of this, but no, probably not. I don't think so. Got a lot going on. Maybe you can go on her talk show to promote. Hey, that's a great idea. Somebody should think about that. We're, uh, we, we, we got a game plan, so we'll see. Where can everybody find you? And is there anything else you want to bring up that I didn't bring up? I always like to give people a chance. Oh at the man, end. that was really thorough. I really appreciate it. You did your research and uh, thank you for like letting me just be so open and honest and comfortable here. Um, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you can go to briandunkelman.com. It's, we're, we're, we're tweaking the website right now. I had to totally redo it, but it's really focusing the film. You can see a three minute trailer. We're going to release little teaser clips and stuff, but all the information will be at briandunkelman.com. 
and um, follow me on Twitter for God's sake. It's five and a half thousand. It's embarrassing. I, I do have the blue check mark, but um, it's at Brian Dunkelman, and my uh, my Instagram is at the Brian Dunkelman. Some high school girl in Long Island decided she needed my name more than me. I can't get rid of her, so I had to do the Brian Dunkelman. But that's where my Dunkyoki videos are. And YouTube.com slash The Dunks. The Dunks. Me and my kid uh, playing video games. So um, check I it out. I've checked it all out except the YouTube. I'll have to check out the YouTube. I think it's pretty fun. I mean, I don't expect anybody to watch the long videos. They're like 20, 15, 20-minute videos. But I did like a one-minute kind of uh, like teaser for each one, like a minute. And I think they're all funny. This is something my kid's going to have for the rest of his life. Like, look at this is, I hope he looks back on the pandemic and thinks that. So that's when we did our YouTube channel, dad. And so, um, yeah. I don't know. I've had a lot of fun doing it. I love it. I appreciate all your time. I mean, being, thank you for answering all my questions. This was amazing. You'll come back anytime you want. Really? Everyone needs to watch the film. And this was a great chat. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll know where it's we'll know where it's gonna be living soon. So uh fingers crossed. But thank, thank you, you so much. much. You I really too. Take care. Keep, keep in touch. I will. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.